If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'll have the text up on the screens behind me in just a little bit. We also have some physical Bibles scattered around the room, little racks beneath the seats. If you don't own a Bible, we would invite you to take that physical one home. The reason for that, incredibly simple. Uh, we believe that God uses his word to reveal himself to us, and we want you to know God, and so you're at a disadvantage if you don't have a Bible. And, and so uh, if you don't own one of your very own, take that one home, start reading it. I'll call it a win. Um, so it's a brand new year, like 2018 is over. Did you know that? We're like a whole weekend now, right? Like surely everyone in the room, every single person in here is completely done forever of improperly putting 2018 on the top of something. Am I the only one that's still guilty of that? Good. All right. What a fun place to be. All right. Now listen, uh, 2019 is going, man. It's, it, it's kind of geared up and it's ready to fly. And there's all these kind of really neat things that I love about the beginning of a calendar year. Uh, for starters, like there's, there's this just... We're coming out of the holiday season. Like, do you, are you tracking with me on that? Like, I am ready for a regular week. Anybody else? Like, between the kids being out of school and weird holiday schedules, like, Tuesday is the weirdest day to have a day off in the middle of the week. Like, closed on Christmas, closed on New Year's, all the, New, the Eve stuff. Like, I'm ready to have a, just a normal, honest-to-goodness, humdrum, super boring week for a second. That's not it. Like, like, not only is there this, there's this relief of getting back to the regular rhythm, but there's also, when it comes to the new calendar year, there's also this kind of ingrained sense of fresh beginnings, right? Like, it's just built into us, hardwired into us somehow. I think that's where this resolution thing comes around. Like, like whether you do the resolution thing or not, there's a reason it exists, Right? Because we all kind of get this sense that, hey, this is a time for a fresh start. There's kind of this revived sense of go get them in us. And well, whether you do the resolution thing or not, I think there's this, there's this sense that, oh, this year's going to be the year. This year's going to be the year. And, and so we talked in seasons past before about how to approach the, the resolution thing, how to have a, an eternal perspective on it. There's, there's a difference, I think, between investing yourself in the, the, the day that's in front of you and investing yourself in a kingdom to come that moth and rust cannot destroy, right? We've talked about that in the past. Basically, what we would say is this. If you want to do resolutions, that's, go, that's okay. Just aim high. Aim for something that's still going to be around 10,000 years from now. Aim your resolutions at that, and then you're getting somewhere. So there's this, there's this relief to get back into the regular rhythm. There's this sense deeply ingrained in us that, we're, that, that this is the time that we're going to have this fresh start. But there's a third thing about the beginning of a calendar year that I get kind of geeked out about, and maybe you do too. This is the time of the year of the State of the Union Address. Some of you are groaning. Some of you are as geeked out as I am. Now, what, what's the State of the Union Address? So... The leaders of our country, whoever they be, get together in one room. Some of them have been doing this job for years and years and years. Some of them are fresh-faced and just ready and rearing to go. Right? But whatever it is, we gather all the most important people, all the leaders, the elected leaders of our country into one room. We turn on the cameras and we play the politics game. And some of you adore that moment. And some of you 
despise that moment. And there's no middle ground. Like, no one's just kind of indifferent about it. You either organize your life going, I'm going to watch this and I'm going to have fun with it. Or you're the type that does everything in your power to avoid that moment. No in between. Our president, whoever they are, whether you like them or not, they stand up, they give their speech, and then everybody in the room, if they're on that team, what do they do? They stand and applause, make a big deal out of every minor point, even if it's the most minor of points, as long as it's in line with their team's philosophy. And if it's, they're on the other team, what do they do? So there are scowls on their faces all the time. It is the American political circus at its highest. And what's funny to me, I have two degrees in politics. What's absolutely fascinating to me is because if you understand how the parts fit together, it is the most partisan thing you have ever seen. And it's all done in the name of bipartisanship. It's completely upside down. And I adore it. And I am going to enjoy it. And I'm going to have a great time with it. And my wife, Katie, is going to be in the other room. She wants nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. There's pomp, there's circumstance. It is chaos. And for some, it is golden. For others, not so much. But that's the game, right? But here's the deal. If you strip away all the politics and all the games that we play, what you're left with is actually a really incredible idea. I mean, think about it for a second. It, it, maybe you're, you're responsible for leading something in some way. But like, just get everybody involved in one place, talk about how the year went, celebrate the good things, and cast vision for the year to come. Like, If you're a leader, that's, that's absolute value right there. You get everybody in one place and you say, hey, hey, we did this this year and we did this this year and isn't it great that we did that this year and then let's, let's point us to some good things to come, some things that I think we ought to aim ourselves at. See, if you strip away all of the games that we play, the State of the Union address is actually kind of brilliant. And if you're a leader, you want exactly that moment. And so that's what I want to do this morning. That's what I want to do this morning. I want to have a sort of a state of the church address. We're all hanging out in the same place, so let's talk about how the year went, right? And after that, let's cast a big picture for where I think God wants us to aim our 2019 at. Sound like a plan? Good. Just nobody stand and clap and nobody sit there with scowls. <laughs> I'll be honest, though. Um, this is out of the ordinary for us, and I'll just throw that disclaimer out. This is out of the ordinary for us. Normally during this time, we open up God's word and we read a lot of God's word and we talk only exclusively about God's word. So it feels out of place for us a little bit to talk about the church and to talk about us and to talk about those kinds of things. But as a once every year kind of deal, and I think it can help us aim better at what God would have us chase after for the rest of the year. So can you give me today for that? All right. So, how did things go this year? I think they went good. <laughs> now, the first thing that we can point out is that we've taken steps of growth in all kinds of really valuable stuff around here. Uh, really, several categories around our church. We expanded our efforts in children's ministry this year. We like kicked off children's ministry stuff 
last year, year before last, and then this year we took further steps in some stuff, uh, both in our midweek time and we reintroduced a children's small group class that had fallen away. I call that a win. We also reorganized the structure of our children's small groups a little bit so that all of our children and youth, 18 and down, are doing graded versions of the same curriculum. Now, why would that be important? Well, because it helps us bring a cohesion to our Sunday morning time when every kid in the family is talking about the same Bible story. And the hope is that they turn around and talk about that at home, right? Yeah. It lets us focus our efforts in equipping parents to have those conversations because at the end of the day, that's actually our real job when it comes to kids. Have you ever thought through that? Like, what's the church's job when it comes to children's ministry? See, we want to have good programs, but at the end of the day, the church is not the primary point of discipleship for a child. Who is? Parents. God's given that job to the parents. And so if we're doing our job well, then we're working to equip them to do their job well. And so it's not that we don't have programs, it's just that we want to gear our programs in such a way that it helps them do their job well. Right? Um, and so a unified curriculum is not really about curriculum at all. It's about pointing all of our arrows in one direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. Instead of being all over the place, we focus our equipping efforts around one trajectory instead of a bunch of them at the same time, and therefore we do equipping better. But that's not all we've done this year. We've also taken several steps to pursue a healthier culture of church membership. All right. Uh, we've cleaned up some of our official church documents this year. Uh, we had several business meetings throughout the course of the year, and we changed our church constitution and some bylaws and all those kinds of things, the kind of things that if you are the type that likes the State of the Union address, you're probably interested in, and if you're the type that doesn't like the State of the Union address, you probably hate you know, those kind of things. All right. So we cleaned up several of our church documents that define what membership is and actually what to do if people aren't interested in really being here. All right. That hasn't been well-defined for us in the past, and so we've begun to put things into place to help us fix that long-term. And while changing church documents is never not important, what's most important is that we've had several people come forward to join our church family this year who have looked at these documents and have prayed through what God is calling us to be as a church here and have taken very, 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 very seriously what it means to be a member here into account as they've pursued membership here. And so we've had several people come forward to join our church family this year who've seriously thought through what being a member here actually means. So what does that mean? Well, it means that people are being folded into our church family as mature believers earlier in the process. There's less on-ramp time. Instead of getting here and then hoping to get them to a point where they're walking in maturity as a, as a, as a member here, they're walking in maturity as soon as they get here. And the whole church becomes healthier for that, Right? But that's not all we can celebrate because we got a bunch of stuff. We also had measurable growth in the three things that we called the church to last year at this time. You remember? In case you weren't here, we did a state of the church address last year at this time, first week of January, and we called the church to three specific things. Y'all remember what those were? Nope. All right, good. <laughs> the first one was Bible reading. We called the church to take steps of, of increasing our level of Bible reading. Like, that's important to us. We want that to be a big deal here. And so to help us facilitate that, we released several reading plans, both physical and digital versions, through the YouVersion Bible app. Many of you have that. All right? And man, that app version blew up. Man, we saw all kinds of excess in that. 
Uh, by my estimation, we had 33 different people engage with the Bible version app reading plans that we had on and off throughout the year. That, 33 people, that doesn't sound like a lot. Well, it is if those 33 people aren't reading the Bible any other way, right? And 10 of those people, by my count, 33 in and out, 10 of those people, I think, read through the entire Bible last year. As a pastor, I'll just be, I'll be honest with you, that is the most exciting thing I'm going to talk about today. Right? Like, like, I like that more than anything else we're going to talk about, and I'm dead serious. Because the statistics tell us over and over and over and over again, no matter how many times we do the survey, whether just in our own body or across all of evangelicalism, right? no matter how many times we do the survey, no matter how many times we ask people, over and over and over and over again, the statistics tell us that those who engage in Bible reading are become the best members in every other discipline. I'll say that a different way. Those who engage deeply with reading their Bibles end up doing all the other things that a mature believer do. Because where do we learn to do all those other things? Yeah. You think I'm excited that 10 people read the whole Bible last year? Kind of geeked out about that one. And if you were to ask any of those 10 people, or listen, even, even some of the 33 that were in and out all year, I think they'd tell you themselves that they grew a ton this year. Like one of them sitting right down here. <laughs> I think they tell you themselves that they grew a ton. Consistent Bible readers always become the best church members. Always. They serve more, they give more, they evangelize more, they disciple more, all across the board. It's almost, almost like God uses his word for his purposes. <laughs> huh. Strange. So listen, if, if you're the type that's always struggling with what you know God has called you to do, those, those simple things, I, I, I know I need to do this, it's just hard for me. Listen, start here. Start here. Pick a time, pick a place, pick a method, and just go for it. And then just watch what God does with it. Because he uses that. But I can't ever finish. I can always get bogged down in Leviticus. Okay. Pick something easier. May I suggest the New Testament only plan that we're reading through? There ain't no Leviticus in there. But that's a half step. That doesn't count. So? Says who? Either God empowers his word or he doesn't. And I'd rather have you engaging in the half step than not engaging at all. Right? So take the half step and we'll build off of that. This isn't a race. So start slow and trust that God can use it. But be faithful to start. We got some options for you. We're going to talk about them during our announcement time later. But Bible reason the only thing that we uh, called our church to last January. January, We also called the church to take steps towards paying down our debt. So if you don't know, we have a mortgage that we've had for a long, long time. We took it out several years ago. Uh, we've been paying on it for a long time, like good little faithful kids. Uh, and it, but it takes up a considerable portion of our annual budget. And so we pay our bills every month, but we don't want to pay on that thing forever. Just how that works. And so the beginning of last year, we introduced a Harvest Day offering. And many of y'all jumped all over that. We asked folks to get creative and to take an extra step of obedience, and y'all did. And God did something really, really big with it. We raised $33,000 extra, extra last year to go towards our mortgage, to pay down the balance of that mortgage. 
Between our Harvest Day efforts and our normal faithful payments, we reduced our debt from $142,000 at the beginning of last year to just a little over $90,000 today. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. God uses the faithful little steps, right? Would it, have been, would it have been cooler to pay it all off last year? Of course it would have. We would have stood up here and awkwardly burned a note like those people do, right? But we're not doing that. All right, anyways. It would have been cooler to pay it all off. But listen, that's not how God always works. In fact, it doesn't even seem to be the way he works most of the time. He seems to work consistently, most consistently, through one faithful act of obedience after the next. And we're going to keep taking steps and keep trusting that he's big and watch what he does with it. And listen, guys, eventually we'll get there. He'll get us there. And listen, if you feel so inclined to keep giving towards that debt reduction, I ain't going to stop you. It's worth your consideration. But we saw a ton of growth in that last year, too. And then finally, the third thing that we called our church family to last year was an increased intentionality to share the gospel with others. Not necessarily a full-blown gospel presentation every time you talk to somebody. That would be weird. But an intentionality to shift to the spiritual, to introduce Jesus to those that you desperately want to know Jesus, to be on purpose with that. And around here we call it gospel conversations. You can't control others people, other people's responses to that, but you can be obedient to hold your end of the rope, right? So that's what we called people to. And so we introduced this puzzle right over here uh, this last year to try to, to measure the success of that and measure our efforts in that. Um, so whenever someone would, would report back to us a gospel conversation that they had, we would celebrate with them, give advice if they needed advice, all these kinds of things. But we'd put a piece on the puzzle board, and there's, uh, I don't know, I can't do math, 19 times 6, if somebody wants to handle that. All right, um, there's a lot of pieces over there, guys. And every single one of them, every single one of them is attached to an eternal story, isn't it? Because that's a win, that's a win. Again, would it have been cooler to fill in the entire board this year? Yup. Nobody's denying that. But small steps of obedience, moving towards the right direction, each one of those, step, each one of those puzzle pieces is an act of obedience on our part. And an act of gospel sharing, eternity shaping, good news whatever, on the recipient's part. That's something worthy of celebrating, right? I think so. There's obviously still a lot of more work to do, but that's a win. And so God has blessed us in some absolutely massive, massive ways this year, both through our faithfulness and, let's be honest here, sometimes in spite of us, right? Isn't that our stories over and over and over again? And so the best and wisest thing that we could do right now is to stop and thank the good giver of those gifts instead of congratulating ourselves. So how about we pray? God, thank you for a really good 2018. God, all of our hopes and dreams weren't accomplished. You haven't promised to, to do all those things yet. You promised to, to fulfill all of our hopes and dreams when you come back. But you have given us a good year. 
for all the growth that we've experienced, for all the steps of obedience that we've walked in, God. We don't want to pat ourselves on the back. We want to, we want to thank you. You are the one that brings the fruit, not us. You have called us to these things, but you are the one who provides. You are the one who creates. You are the one who sustains. And you're the one who grows. God, thank you for being good to us this year. You are good. We, we just don't deserve it. And so God, as we get ready to, to look at the year in front of us, as we get ready to, to ask the question, what, where would you have us point ourselves? Would you give us wisdom? A wisdom we don't have. Would you give us insight? Would you give us a creative thought every once in a while? But more importantly, would you give us more and more of yourself? Your name. Amen. So, anybody want to know where we're aiming for 2019? Good. Matthew 28. I promise... Our ideas for 2019 are just as creative and revolutionary as the guy delivering the message. Those of you who didn't get that joke haven't been here very long. Thanks. <laughs> Matthew 28. Look at verse 16. Stop me if you've heard this before. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Call a time out there. Uh, Jesus has... Uh, died on the cross. He has risen from the dead. He has spent about 40 days appearing off and on to his followers, proving that he has been resurrected, commissioning them for these different tasks, giving them instructions for the days ahead. Right? He's promised that he is going to leave and that he's going to send another. All of these things have been taking place and they finally get to this moment and he's got this kind of one last thing to say before I go kind of message. And in verse 16, again, we read, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some, what's that word? Man, I love the honesty of the Bible. They still don't get it. Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you were here last year when we did our State of the Church address, you may be asking right now, well, isn't that the text you preached last year? Yup. What's revolutionary and creative about that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's the point. We haven't been called to something different. Around here we say this, this is the, the one job of the church. To make disciples of all nations. Full stop. Full stop. We've got some other things that we're called to do, but they serve this purpose. Now, like, should we be creative? Should we be revolutionary? Those aren't bad things. Those aren't bad things at all. Unless they distract us from this thing. 
It's good and right and I, I think probably necessary to be creative once in a while. I think a refusal to try to be creative would be sinful even. But that creativity, that, that new idea, if it's not serving this purpose, then it's out of bounds. It's out of bounds. Our call is to make disciples of all nations. The church, whether that's our church or any other faithful church down the road from us, has one job to do. One job. Make disciples. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, the, the one that we call Lord, Lord, that's a weighty word, right? The one that we call Lord says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Now, that is an absolutely massive declaration, right? Like how much other authority is floating out there? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so if we're keeping score, Jesus has all the authority now. Right? And so he says, all authority has been given to me. And so that means that that's a massive statement. And either A, that statement is true, and Jesus really does have all the authority, and it affects literally everything in the cosmos, or B, that statement is not true, and Jesus is a liar. Should we go with option A? Probably. Maybe you don't like Jesus. You think option B. I think he meant it. At the very least, he believed it. Jesus claims all authority that there is to have. And that means that the very next words out of his mouth carry the weight of all authority in heaven and on earth. And so what does he say? He says, therefore, go, make disciples, evangelize them, baptize them, disciple them from all the other peoples. Go and teach them and to do what I taught you to do. Go to all the other peoples and do these things. This is the one job of the church. We may dress it up with some creative ideas once in a while to help us get there, but if our ideas distract us from this, then they're off limits. And they're hurting our cause. We're either working to this end or we're not actually being who Jesus has called us to be. Individually or corporately. So what does that mean for us for the, for the year? Like, What does that mean for NBC for 2019? Well, instead of giving us three things to work on this year, I want to give us, I thought it would be best to work on one thing in two different ways. Prepare two different fashions if you want to go cooking show version. Let me show you what I mean. I think we need to make disciples two specific ways, and the first one is this. We need to continue to grow in our pursuit of gospel conversations. Plain and simple. While we rightly celebrate all the small steps we took this year, this is a never take our foot off the gas kind of deal for us. There's always more work to do, right? There are always more, more people who need to hear about our Jesus. And so the job will never be done until Jesus comes back. The job's not over. Regardless of whether we see our last year as successful or not, there's more people to tell. So we got to keep going on this. we got to keep our foot on the gas. And the simple reality, if we're being honest, is that if every Christian in this room shared the gospel with a couple of people this week, we'd come back this week, next week, and that board would be filled up. Right? That's just the truth. 
I mean, we're not the kind of church that guilts people into things. I don't think that actually works for very long, if at all. I can't guilt you into sharing the gospel, and you can't guilt people into believing it. It doesn't work that way. But all of us, myself included, man, we need to grow in this. We need to grow in this. And when each of us, myself included, begin to take those small steps of obedience, I mean, haven't we seen over and over again by now that our God does big things with that? Yeah, he does. He does. Maybe. Maybe it'll help you to give yourself some, uh, some timetables to frame it. It's going to be different for everybody. Maybe for some people, you need to be faithful to share the gospel with that one person you're already thinking about right now this week. Like several of you have somebody on the tip of your tongue right now. Do something with it. Other people, maybe you need to, to find somebody and work on them for a month. Other people, maybe it's that you need to finally invite that family over for dinner that you've been thinking about inviting for the last six months. It's going to look different for all of us. You don't have to move mountains in a single step, but hear me. God can. Like, he can. That's not hard for him, right? And if I'm reading the Bible correctly, he seems to delight in blessing the simple act of obedience. So, like, why wouldn't we trust him to do that here? Right? I really think that, our, that we're our own biggest enemy most of the time. We get in our heads about this. We make this more complicated than it actually is. Guys, I think we need to grow in our pursuit of gospel conversations this year. I, I think this, we need to be done with this board. We need to be done fast. Because there's a lot of people who need to know Jesus. Yes, celebrate, but we can do better. Eternity hangs in the balance. We can do better. But that's not it. Secondly, I think we need to be intentional this year about what I would call second-tier discipleship. So what do I mean by that? Well, I think we need to make an effort this year, specifically this year, to bring people along the process of maturing as believers and servants here. We've got a lot of people who are folding in, um, but we need to fold them in deeper. Does that make sense? If you've got some type of role here, whether that's a small group leader or the maintenance guy or maybe you're a greeter, whatever that is, we, we really need you to start pulling people alongside of you and teaching them how to do what you do. Plain and simple. And if you're the type that doesn't serve in some capacity like that, guess what? We need you to be the one that comes alongside them and learns. See, if we're not constantly replicating ourselves in these ways, our best case scenario is that the same people serve faithfully for years and years and years, and everybody else is just a little bit lazy and lets them. I can be guilty of that, right? But we're also not fulfilling our mandate to teach others what Jesus taught us. And that's our best case scenario. Best case scenario. See, what's, the task gets done, but yeah, we're, we're iffy on a lot of other things. See, what's more likely to happen is that life happens as it always does. And some people will move on, and some people will grow old, and some people will just get tired and quit. And, and as a church, we'll always in a, be in a position of trying to fill the holes that other people left. But the longer you walk with Jesus, you learn that God's plan for things usually has the effect of actually fixing a bunch of other stuff in the process. Have you learned this as you walk with Jesus? When you do the simple thing he's called you to, it actually fixes a ton of other stuff too. I've seen that. See, if we're faithful to disciple others and bring them along with us, the church is never on its heels trying to fix a volunteer problem. Ever. We're actually forward-leaning on the balls of our feet, 
looking for the next opportunity to plug people into leadership and service. We've got too many volunteers that we need to find a place to put them. And so the simple act of, hey, come with me on this one, not only helps fulfill part of the Great Commission, but it also changes the posture of our entire church for years to come. We're forward-leaning instead of reeling from the problem. And so if you're serving, find somebody who's not and invite them into the game. And if you're not yet serving, well, guess what? Now's your chance to jump in there, right? And listen, if you're the type that needs permission, here's your permission. Go get it. Go get it. Even take it over from somebody. I don't care. They need to teach you. Find a place to jump in and jump in. Because as a church, we have one job to do. We are to make disciples of all nations. We are to evangelize them, baptize them, train them, and send them. And when we do that to the best of our ability, our God is seen as glorious. And the whole church grows. So disciple-making serves two ways. New steps in gospel conversations and new steps in training others. That's what we need to aim at this year. And I'm going to work to make sure we're aiming at that all year long. Sound good? So how do you respond to God's word this morning? I mean, what do you do with a state of the church address in place of a more text-driven sermon like normal? Well, follower of Jesus, I think we ought to use this time to actually press in and make this call personal instead of just, you know, for those others out there. Don't let this stuff remain in the category of everybody else. How is God calling you specifically to make disciples of all nations? What steps should you take, Christ follower, to be the faithful uh, to be faithful to your one job to do? Because this call is just as individual as it is corporate. If you follow Jesus, this call is for you. How do you personalize this? So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Well, well, I'll be down front here to, to talk and pray with you if that would serve you this morning. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I'll confess it's a weird week to stumble into this place. I've been talking primarily to Christians that call NBC home. What do you take away from this? Let's say this, following Jesus is about way more than a single religious decision somebody made at one point in their life. It's a lifetime of repentance and obedience to the king. But that lifetime does have a clear starting point. And so maybe today's your day. Maybe today's the day that you want to begin following Jesus too, and you can do that by repenting of your sin and trusting him alone for salvation. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. If you want to take the next step and what that means, man, I'd love to talk to you about it. I'll be down here. Let's all respond to God's word this morning. God, you're good to us. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for our call. God, we want to be those who live under authority. But God, you did not just say that you send us under authority. You also said that you will be with us. so that you are there to walk with us as we do the things you called us to do. Simple things, things we make complicated, but they're really not. Would you give us the courage to, to take action on these things? 
to overcome our frustration and excuses at times. God, you gave us a good year. And I'm excited about the year to come. There's so many good things to, to, to get excited about, and there's all these things that we've got planned on the calendar. But at the end of the day, we have one job to do, and we want to make certain that we are following that. We want to make certain that we are walking faithfully to that. We want to make certain that you are glorified because we did the simple act of obedience. You deserve the praise of all peoples. Far more than what we could ever give you on our own. There are those in our circles of influence who need to know you today. There are those who you will give us opportunity tomorrow and in the days to come. We help us see those opportunities. Help us act on those opportunities. Help us make your name more famous in the places you put us. And bless our church this year. We're excited, but we would rather have you than other metrics of success. So God, would you make yourself known to us even now? Convict us of sin, draw us to repentance. For those in here who don't know you, would you make yourself known to them this morning? In your name we pray. Amen.